Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism and welcome to the Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Are you an autism or special education professional? Are you a teacher or therapist looking for support and new ideas? You may even be a parent, family member or carer. This podcast is perfect to help you find out more information, support and get some of your questions answered. Hi and welcome back to the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. I am so excited to share a story with you guys today that literally blew my Instagram up last week with hundreds of messages from all of you going crazy and you wanted to know the full story which was a little bit too much to fit on my Instagram. So this is kind of the first um personal story that I'm sharing with you guys on the podcast so I hope you like it and I hope you can take away some great lessons from this story. Before we start I really want to reassure you all that I have permission from all of the relevant parties including the student themselves to share this story with you. I won't be sharing personal information about them that can lead directly back to who they are or where I work but it's a story that's really powerful and something that really hit me in the heart when it happened to me last week and I just know that there are so many great lessons to be learned from it. So this year as many of you know I am splitting my time between working in the classroom and working with the behaviour unit and this is all virtual this year and the unit is a behaviour unit where it houses students who have physical and challenging aggressive behaviours who just weren't in the right education setting or environment for their individual needs and abilities. So they may have been removed from the school because of behaviours, they may have been taken out of the school voluntarily to come to our behaviour unit, but either way, I want you to know that this is a really positive step in the process. So when the students come to our behaviour unit, we aren't there to fix them or change who they are. We're there to get to the bottom of everything, find the triggers and what makes them feel and react like this. And then we look at the students themselves. So we really dive deep into who they are, what do they want and what do they need. And the plan is that we spend the year or longer if needed working with the students and helping to find them an education placement that is just perfect for their individual needs and abilities where they can thrive and really get the most out of their education experience. So there's a group of us working there. And my work right now, because of coronavirus, is virtual. But I was working in person for a short while there before everything happened with COVID last year. So right now they have the bare minimum staff in person and the rest of us are online. We contemplated going fully online, like with my class. As some of you know, I split my time between both jobs. But it just wouldn't work for the ways that we want to work with and help the students in the unit. So we just had to make some changes and adjustments instead. So all of our staff specialise in different areas, which means we're able to collaborate and work together on really helping our students. And we all bring something different to the table. So rather than making random guesses, we're able to back up our suggestions, you know, with experience and knowledge and things that we've worked through. My role there officially is as an autism specialist, which still sounds crazy to say because honestly, when I first started 
all of this 10 years ago. I had no idea one day, you know, somebody would be calling me a specialist in anything. So this is my friendly reminder that you can do anything you want in life. Anyway, moving on to my story. So we work with all of the students, but we also have our students choose a key worker. So someone who is going to be one-on-one with them throughout the year. So their main source of contact, someone who's always there for them. Very much like a buddy system. And we were all given a bunch of information about the students beforehand so we could really get to know them as much as possible before meeting them. And from there, we worked even harder to know them in person too. So when I was going through all of the paperwork, um, when I first thought about taking this position last year, one of the students really stood out to me. Now, she isn't um, diagnosed with autism, but there are traits there that make me wonder. And so I did request for an assessment to be done. That will take a while, especially with COVID around the corner back then, and now we're in the thick of it, but that was fine. I didn't need a diagnosis to start helping her. I just wanted the process to happen because if the diagnosis does happen, it means she'll be able to get more support in the future. And I just wanted that option available for her and for her family too. One of the other things that stood out to me was some of the information that past teachers shared about her. So she is a foster child and she's with a great family now who love her to the moon and back and she's really happy there. Unfortunately, that was probably the only positive thing that any teacher had to say. A lot of the other comments were things like, she hates authority, she resents teachers, she is not interested in communicating or building relationships, she refuses to do any work at all and spends the majority of her time displaying challenging and aggressive behaviours which make school an inappropriate place for her. Or so it's stated on her papers. I looked through and I struggled to find anything positive written about her and that really broke my heart. I've always tried to follow the sandwich rule where, you know, you try to have two positives for every one negative or not even a negative, just something that maybe isn't a whole positive, if that makes sense. Then I started to see a pattern. Every piece of paperwork from different staff members and previous foster families stated the same thing over and over. All she is interested in is becoming an adult. Nothing else interests her. Now, she is a teenager, an older teenager, so you could say she's pretty close to being an adult anyway. And I just knew that this was going to be my way in. Something I could use to help build the trust and a relationship with her. So each morning, when I first started there last year, I would walk in and I would go and sit by her. Sometimes she'd scowl at me, sometimes she'd ignore me. The first morning she scowled and she just put up with me being there. The second morning I greeted her again and she asked me to leave her alone. So I got up and I went elsewhere in the room. She looked at me across the room like I had grown three heads. Everyone else was starting to work with a member of staff, but I told everyone just leave her for now. Give her time. This is a new environment. She is surrounded by new staff, new students. There's a whole new rotor and timetable to follow. Just give her time. After an hour, she came over to me frowning and I was sat at my desk. And she just asked, why did you leave me? 
I reminded her that she had asked me to leave and now she was even more confused. She went on to say how in the past, when she asked people to leave, they would normally either argue with her or remain seated and ignore her. I shrugged and told her that her wants and needs are important to me and if that means she wants to be left alone, that's okay with me. At least for now. (laughs) She was dumbfounded and that's when I realised I was probably the first person to respect one of her wishes. That day she would come back and forth talking to me or asking just little questions. She was intrigued. I didn't do any work with her at all and some of the other staff thought I was crazy but I had a plan. I was just really hoping that my plan was a good one because at that time I had no plan B. The next day I walked in to sit down with her, greeted her and she nodded back at me. She didn't greet me back but she also didn't scowl or ask me to leave. So progress is progress, right? So I left her for a little while, let her have her peace and she would come back and forth to me throughout the day. Again, it was another day I didn't make her do any work. Now the other staff really thought I was crazy, but I reminded them it's still her first week. What's more important right now? Me getting into a power struggle and forcing her to work or building a relationship and trust with her? Of course it's the latter, because that's what's going to make for a successful and positive year ahead. The next few mornings, I did the same thing. I would go in and sit by her, greet her, and I'd start to try and make casual conversation. I'd also throw in compliments here and there. Things like, I really like your hairstyle today. Did you plait it yourself? I love how bright your blue eyes are. I wish my hair was as shiny as yours. What do you do with it? All things you generally hear in adult conversations and I could tell by her face each morning I was gaining her interest. One day, after about a week, I asked her to come and sit with me at my desk in the corner. She looked surprised but she nodded and came over to sit with me. I told her I wanted to show her some photos so she could learn more about me. Thankfully, she seemed excited So I flicked through and I showed her some pictures of me, my partner, my cats, our house, our car, our garden, what some of our vacations look like. And it was in that moment I knew I had her. She would constantly ask questions about every photo I showed her. Why did we choose that car? Why that colour? Why that house? What did I like about my house? How old was I when I bought my house? Where's my favourite place to travel? Constant questions, which drove constant communication, which drives relationships. Then I decided to be brave, so I knew full well this could make or break the progress that I've made. And I just said to her, hey, you know, someone told me you can't wait to be an adult. Is that true? She nods at me and doesn't say anything else. So I let out this huge exaggerated sigh. You know how we all like to dramatize our stories, right? And I say, I remember I couldn't wait to be an adult. When I was younger, I used to tell my parents all about the type of adults I wanted to be. Really? She asked, sounding so surprised. And just like that, I had her attention. I had made a connection with her. 
we shared something and that fills trust. Why do you want to be an adult? I asked. And I'll never forget the way she leaned forward on my desk, her eyebrows all furrowed like she's really concentrating and she just says, because Miss Nikki, I want to be in control of my life and make my own decisions. Honestly, I think my heart stopped beating. This poor girl that had been pushed back and forth, she just wanted to be able to make her own decisions. And she was so much more mature for her age than people had realised. So I offered her a deal. I would teach her how to be an adult if she would do her work with me every day. Of course, she was sceptical. Why do I want to help her? Why do I want to teach her to be an adult? So instead of going back and forth with her, we weren't really getting anywhere. I just asked her to name three things she wanted to learn about being an adult. The first was makeup. The second was getting a job. And the third was getting a house. So I nodded and went along with it, wondering how am I going to link these to the curriculum and the targets that she has. I mean, we've all had students with interests that we can easily link to the curriculum. You know, interests like trains or horses. And then I twigged, it really was that easy. I just had to teach her functional life skills that met curriculum goals as well. So that morning, I had actually been given this really nice new diary for the year as a welcome gift. So I pulled it out and I started to draw a timetable on it with the students sat next to me. And I spoke to her while I was doing it, how I was drafting up and every day she had to complete three work activities for me. And then whatever time was left over, we would work on learning how to be an adult. So the quicker she was at completing those activities, meaning no running away, no hiding under her desk, no refusing to do them, the more time we had working at being an adult. Then I got her to sign it. She laughed at me and I tried to remain serious and I told her, As adults, when we make a deal or agree to a contract, we sign it because that makes it official. So we spent the next five minutes using post-it notes to create a signature for her and then she signed it. Now I just had to hope that it would work. So each day after that, we would sit down and complete the work that I asked of her. And the other staff members were actually impressed and thankfully my plan was working. So she was opening up to me more and more every day. She'd tell me how everyone was always making decisions for her. When she has to leave a foster home, when she moves to a new home, what she should call them, what field trip she's allowed to go on, how much money she's allowed, why she isn't allowed to see her parents. And each night I'd go home and I would read through her incident reports of previous schools and classrooms. And once I'd gotten to know her more, The triggers were so easy to spot. The moment she felt like she was not in control of herself, her life or her decisions, she would display those same challenging and aggressive behaviours. Anyway, each day we would spend working on the curriculum first. Then we'd work on adult lessons. So the first week was all about makeup. Now, this is not a very big strength of mine. So what I did was hop on YouTube showed her YouTube tutorials, we talked about different types of makeup, then we started to compare makeup. Which one is more expensive? How do you find the right foundation for you? What ways can you ask for help? 
She was fascinated and loved it. So I spoke to their foster parents to get their permission and then I made her another deal. I told her if she could earn a star every day, signal in that she had completed her work that day for 30 days, at the end of it I would take her out to a beauty store and we would look at makeup and try some samples. And this time she made me sign a contract (laughs) and she asked if her foster mother could come with us. Of course I agreed and every morning she got to work and you know she was really excited. After three weeks we started work on getting a job. So we talked about the different types of jobs that are available, how you would find a job, working out the salary of a job, what qualifications you need, how to behave during a job interview. There were so many ways to deep dive with this topic Unfortunately, that is when COVID hit and everything shut down. Now I was hit with a realisation of a couple of things. One being that our contract was about to be broken for her reward. And I really didn't want that because then her trust was going to falter in me. So I hopped on a Zoom call with her and we talked about COVID how things were closing and how this would affect her contract. So I told her, would you mind if instead of going to a beauty counter because they were all now closed, would she be okay with me getting some samples mailed to her and we can continue our learning online? Then her foster mother could show her how to do different makeup. Thankfully, after a bit of back and forth where she originally really wasn't happy with this change, she was soon went around when she realised it was that or nothing, because everything was closing. So we carried on with our weekly lessons through Zoom until the summer. And over the summer, we had eight weeks off, but I would check in with her once a week just to see how she was. And we worked on sending emails and mailing letters back and forth, so more important life skills. When we started back in September, my position was going to be online. So I would do a daily Zoom lesson with her. And this seemed to work fine. And I promised her that I'd make it up to her once I was back in person with her. And she agreed. So we set to work again, working each day on the curriculum first, and then having adult lessons in the afternoon. Our most recent lesson was about the future. So she had worked really hard that morning with an assessment and then she asked me for an extra hour of adult lessons. I agreed, but I told her how I was going out for food that night with my partner so I might be dressed differently because I'd have to leave straight away. It was still professional, but I wanted her to know I wouldn't be dressed in my usual work clothes. She said this was fine. So for her homework, that lesson while I'm there dressed now in my date night outfit, I asked her to draw me a picture and write about what or who she wants to be when she's older in her journal for homework and to show me the next day. She seemed excited and I left her to it. The next day, I hop on a Zoom call with her, we work on the curriculum as always, and then in the afternoon, we get to the adult lessons. So as always, I start with asking her to show me her journal entry and explain it. So this is something we've started to do every day. I just feel like her having a journal really helps her to be more open with me. Guys, this is where it gets emotional, at least for me. So she holds up this journal entry and I've shared it over on Instagram, so go check it out. And she just went, it's you. I want to be you. I was floored and I literally couldn't speak at first as I looked at the journal entry. 
She had drawn a picture of me from my outfit in the night before and then she'd written a few lines underneath. So I asked her to read them to me and it said, when I'm an adult, I want to be like Miss Nikki because when Miss Nikki walks in the room, everyone turns to her. Everyone likes Miss Nikki. They listen to what she says and they always say how clever she is. But also, Miss Nikki doesn't care what other people think. She does what's right and what she wants. And she always looks like a boss. So I laughed at the last point because I definitely don't always look like a boss. But I was so hit with emotion. I was I was floored, floored that she had picked up on enough of me and who I am to be able to write that about me. She had heard other people comment about the strange setup I had for working with her, but I did it anyway. And now she's had her best ever assessment results. She's working on the curriculum every day, all while working on important functional skills. And she's happy because she believes that she's working towards becoming an adult. Now, don't get me wrong, this has not been behaviour free. We have had our ups and our downs, and I've had to refer back to the contract a few times. But I also let her know that her feelings are valid. It's okay if she's angry or upset. And then I ask her what she wants. Does she want me to leave her alone? Does she want to go for a walk? I give her the control that she so desperately craves in a way that she can have it. When she calms down, she's got this thing where she always apologises and then panics that she's broken our contract, which is when I pull it back out and I show her the terms. The first contract is the wrong time to prioritise her behaviours. First, I just needed to build a relationship with her, build trust and get her working. After this, our next contract is going to be focused on managing our emotions and what she can do to calm herself down so that she doesn't have to get physical or aggressive. You want to prioritise what the student is ready to work on. So when I first started working with her, she was oblivious to the challenging behaviours that she could present. She saw absolutely nothing wrong with them. So it didn't make sense for me to go in all guns blazing and start there. First, I had to work on our relationship and trust. I had to learn more about her, understand her. And as we connected and I tried to act as a positive role model, the behaviours definitely became less frequent. It also helped that I got other staff members to role play with me without her knowing. So I'd get them to come over and say something to me or ask me to do something and I'd pretend to get mad and shake my head and ask them to come back later and I'd use that as a discussion point with the student. So I would say, I'm really mad because it's Miss Smith's turn to take attendance today, not my turn and I don't want to do it. But if I do this to help Miss Smith, that makes me a good friend. She'll be happy and she'll want to help me in the future too. And I used to watch her taking it all in. Even if she wouldn't reply, it's like she was a sponge absorbing everything going on around her. Now I'm not sharing this story today to brag or to boast about how well my plan is working. First of all, this plan could have gone either way and I'm just grateful that it's proven to be a success because I had no plan B set up. It was just plan A at that moment in time. 
but this could all change tomorrow and I'm definitely not an expert but I shared this message for three important reasons that I really want you to think about and take away from this episode today. Number one, your students are always watching you and learning from you even when you don't realise it. Be a positive role model and use that to your advantage. Make role play situations like I did to show your students how to react in different situations. Showing them is so much more powerful than just telling them. Number two, relationships and trust are the foundation of a successful and positive learning environment. Focus on those first before you start placing demands on your students. Number three, never dismiss a child's interests. If this teenager had been interested in ponies or a certain movie or TV show, teachers would have jumped at the opportunity to make resources to all of those themes. But the teachers she was working with missed a huge opportunity when they dismissed that her main interest was wanting to be an adult. Sure, it took some extra thinking on my part to tailor those lessons to meet the curriculum. But I did it and it paid off. She gets to work at becoming an adult while completing the curriculum and achieving the targets expected of her. Interests can look a hundred different ways, but there's still always a way for you to use that to help your student progress. I hope that today's podcast episode was interesting for you. I know sometimes personal episodes can be a little bit less informative, but I do hope you've been able to take away some valuable lessons learned from this story today. Don't forget to head over to my Instagram, Teaching Autism, and check out the photo I shared that the student created for me as part of her journal entry. If you have a positive story to share with us, please head over to the comments and let us know. I know that during this time, things are really stressful for all of us, and it's really easy to get caught up in all the negatives. But being able to share a positive story or two is a great way to lift your mood and to help remind you that even on the days when you're truly doubting yourself, you have that reminder that you are making a huge difference in someone's life. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you again soon. (music) 